Good morning. Good Monday morning to each of you. President Boom, Dean Chavez, administrators, faculty, staff, and especially students, it is an honor to be with you today. Uh, you need to know that Emmaus Bible College uh, is a special place uh, for me and my family. I've been around this place lurking uh, since birth, truth be known. 1968 was the year my dad started teaching at Emmaus Bible School uh, at the time in Chicago, Illinois, the suburbs of. And so that was the year I was born in it and was introduced and connected to this fine institution of learning. Uh, I love Emmaus Bible College. I attended uh, as a student in 1987 to 1991. Um, my wife attended years later. Uh, I've served here in a variety of capacities and uh, still, still feel very connected. And so you need to know, bless you, you need to know it's an honor and a privilege to be with you all this week uh, just for five sessions together. I'm going to be asking you a question, and you'll hear me ask it today numerous times. I'll do it again uh, tonight on purpose. Tomorrow morning, tomorrow evening, and Wednesday morning as well. My question for your consideration uh, these spiritual emphasis days is this. What is, what is the condition of your heart? What is the condition of your heart? We understand the importance, some of us more than others, of having our heart examined physically. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm one of those today who says, I have a cardiologist. How many of you have a cardiologist? I know faculty, staff might raise your hands, a few others. We're familiar with a cardiologist. I had a bit of a struggle with a virus uh, for uh, uh, a couple years, if you will, and uh, had some uh, impact to my heart. And I remember being with the cardiologist trying to determine what indeed is, is going on with my heart. Is there permanent damage uh, due to this struggle? And we had all kinds of examinations. I now go annually just to check up on my physical heart condition. I take a pill every day to make sure my heart rate uh, is regulated. And I know other people have had that same reality Having your hearts physically examined, what kind of condition uh, are they in? What needs to be done in order for those, uh, for our hearts to function uh, as they ought? It's just as important for us to examine our hearts spiritually, uh, to look at our heart condition and determine what kind of shape our hearts are in uh, spiritually. And that'll be our goal. What is the condition of your heart? It seems like yesterday, and it definitely wasn't, but it seems like yesterday that I was in Classroom F. Classroom F, when I was a student, had a stage. I think we faced a different direction. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, I remember being in Classroom F. I was distracted a little bit. I was distracting a little bit. I was seated in the, the back of the classroom. Uh, but I remember my instructor, my prof, uh, and I remember lessons learned, believe it or not. And Dr. Dave Reed was teaching a particular class entitled Old Testament Survey. And in Old Testament Survey, Dr. Dave taught us something to help us remember the big themes of the Old Testament. 
He taught us the Old Testament walkthrough. Dr. Dave uh, has been with the Lord for years, but those who knew Dr. Dave knew he was enthusiastic about everything and had a bit of a competitive spirit and edge uh, about him. And so he would have us come up on stage like I'm standing before you now, and he would have a stopwatch in hand, and he would have us go through the walkthrough of the Old Testament. The Old Testament walkthrough, there were motions to it. Uh, I, I love motions. We'll talk about that later, perhaps. Motions to the Old Testament walkthrough, and then key words, key concepts that would help us remember what the Old Testament is all about. When we got to the section that talked about the first kings of Israel, the first three kings were mentioned and there was a word and a motion that would help us remember. And I remember them to this day. Uh, remind me, if you will, the first king uh, of Israel was whom? Saul, thanks for coming. Glad you're here today. Uh, king Saul. And when we went through the walkthrough and talked about King Saul, the expression that we were to remember is the fact that King Saul had no heart. No heart. Who was the second king of Israel? Help me today. David. Thank you for coming. David. David was known as a what? A man after God's own heart. We know that David wasn't perfect. There's all kinds of illustration and demonstration of bad choices that he made. And nevertheless, the word of God declares in the Old Testament and the New that David was a man after God's own heart. So when we did the Old Testament walkthrough, we remembered Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Third king of Israel, help me. Solomon. Solomon, Solomon thanks for coming. And when we thought about Solomon, we thought about the reality that he was conflicted in heart. That he was half-hearted, half-hearted. And so we would do this motion just symbolizing half. So for Saul, we said, what? Help me remember. My mind easily forgets. Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half-heart. 40, 40, 40, 120 years. That's part of the Old Testament walkthrough. And I still remember that. I remember more from my days at Mass as well, be encouraged. But what I didn't realize at the time, and I realize now more clearly, is that Dr. Dave wasn't just wanting us to remember the facts. He wasn't just wanting us to have the information in our minds and the walkthrough memorized and the ability to do the motions. That wasn't his only desire, it was part of it. And he wanted to see how fast we could do it, no doubt. But he wanted us to get to, eventually, the practical application. I had Dr. Dave for hermeneutics as well, and he talked, taught us a, a, about the importance of Bible study methods. And that hermeneutics is the science and art of biblical interpretation. And we needed to emphasize the importance of observation. Some of you are learning that right now, and interpretation. And then eventually, not first, but eventually get to the part where we would apply it. Practical application. So what does it mean? And so I, I didn't realize it then. And I, I'm guessing some of you don't realize it now. But part of the point of the instruction that I was blessed to receive and that you're blessed to receive is that you might ask and answer the question, what difference does that make? 
What's the practical application? And so Dr. Dave was wanting us to, as I want to with you these days together, he was wanting us to ask and answer the question, what is the condition of my heart? Am I Saul-like? Some of you are Saul-like here today. No heart. You're still dead in your trespasses and sins because you've never trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. We know that happens at Emmaus Bible College. When I was a student, kids got saved. Fellow students got saved. I know that happens each year, and maybe that's your story. As you're purposing to ask and answer the question, what is the condition of my heart, you might have to say, truth be known, I'm most like Saul. No heart spiritually. Some of you are enthusiastically getting after it and wanting to be like the Lord Jesus and to follow hard after him. And it could be said of you that you indeed, like David, are wholehearted. But if I'm a betting man, if I'm a betting man, I think many of you are, are Solomon-like, half-hearted, being influenced in a significant way by the culture of chaos that we live in. And so we want you to ask and answer what heart condition best describes me spiritually. Saul, no heart. David, whole heart. Solomon, half heart. 40, 40, 40, 120 years. There's a passage in the Old Testament and a passage in the New Testament, many that describe this reality. Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 3, the first part of the verse says this. He knows, talking about our great God, listen to this. He knows, he sees, and he examines your heart's attitude before him. I'm going to give you that again. He knows, he sees, and he examines our heart's attitude before him. What is the condition of your heart? Physically, it's important to know. Spiritually, it's more important to know. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Exactly. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good. Sing it with me, for goodness sake. We're not talking about Santa Claus here, friends. We're talking about our great God, and I want you to know this. You can fool me, and you can fool one another, and you can fool your mama, but the reality is this, you cannot fool our great God. You can't. He knows, he sees, and he examines our heart's attitude before him. So what does he see this morning? What is the condition of your heart? Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says this. I love this verse. It's a convicting verse. These two, this, these two concepts from the Old Testament and the New Testament should bring conviction but should also bring comfort, both of those things at the same time. Hebrews 4, 13 says this. And no creature, no creature, listen to this, is hidden from his sight. No creature is hidden from his sight but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Some of your translations say at the end of verse 13 of Hebrews chapter 4, uh, with him to whom we have much to do, with whom we have much to do. 
the one to whom we will give an account. Listen, understand, every step we take, every move we make, every bond we break, every breath we take, he'll be watching you. Oh, can't you see? I know, some of you know, some of you don't. That'll be in your mind, right? Listen, in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see this reality before us. He examines our heart's attitude before him. So I ask you, what is the condition of your heart? Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and you might be thinking, wait a minute, what about Galatians 5? The story is you're going to be in Galatians 5 a lot this semester in chapel with a variety of speakers. I'm going to mention a little bit about it here in a moment too, but 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I would like to look at with you. And here's what we're going to find, just like we saw in the Old Testament as we considered the Old Testament walkthrough, we saw three spiritual conditions, Saul, no heart, David, whole heart, Solomon, half heart. Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and, and into chapter 3, he'll identify three, yea, four spiritual conditions. And I want you to ask and answer, which one of these descriptions, conditions, describes me today? What is the condition of your heart? You'll notice several of these conditions are not ideal and several of these we ought to pursue and go after. So as I read these to you and as you follow along, I love that. Hope you have your Bibles or your phones, devices. We'll be in all kinds of different passages this, uh, these days together. Uh, today, a variety just establishing our theme. Paul writes at the end of chapter 2, verse 14, he says this, But a natural man... Condition number one, illustration number one, type of person number one in verse 14 is that of a, a natural man. A natural man can be likened to Saul of the Old Testament. Saul, no heart. This is someone who does not know the Lord because he is not the Lord's. He has not trusted in him and in him alone for salvation. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why is that? For they are foolishness to him. We live in a world full of these kind of folks. Natural. A natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Why is that? For they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. The condition of the natural man is described here, and the natural man does not get it, does not understand it, and even declares it as foolish because of his condition as being spiritually appraised, lost, still dead in trespasses and sins. I ask you this morning, is that you? These are spiritual emphasis days, and we're trying. It's our prayer and desire. I've been praying since I've been asked to be a part of them, that you might, you might look at your own spiritual condition these days and ask and answer the question, what, what in the world 
is the reality of my heart's condition. He knows, he sees, and he examines your heart's attitude before him. Everything is, is laid plain and open and bare before him. And there's no running, no hiding, no escaping. So what is the reality of your spiritual condition? Are you like the natural man? Are you like Saul? No heart. The passage goes on to describe a second character. This one is good. This is the one that we want to strive after. This is the one that we want to be like. This is very much like David of old, wholehearted. But he who is spiritual, he who is spiritual, that's a condition that Paul uses, a de description of a type of person, and that's the kind of person you want to be. And I'm asking you this question, are you today? Kind of feels odd and uncomfortable to say, you want, you, well, you want to know something? I'm spiritual. And that's not the point. It's not an egotistical, arrogant statement. It's a description of the spiritual condition of someone. A natural man is one condition, one illustration. A spiritual individual is the second. But he who is spiritual appraises all things. He's able to tell the difference between right and wrong. It's not foolishness to him because he's been radically transformed. The old is gone, the new has come, and this person is growing in God's goodness and grace, a spiritual person. And I want you to know, I don't make the assumption that because you hear, you, you're here, you are that. Again, when I was in classroom F and when I was a student here, I wished that I was more focused and lasered, but I was distracted and I was distracting. And I really didn't take the time, energy, and effort to assess the reality of my heart's condition spiritually. And I think many of you are, are just like I was, just caught up with the, the nonsense and all the noise and all the distraction unwilling to pause and to stop and to ask and answer the question, what is it that my instructor, my, my teacher uh, is, is sharing with me as I have the privilege of this education? What is it that applies to my life now practically? We're trying to get you to ask and answer the question, what am I really like spiritually? Are you like the natural man? Are you like Saul, no heart? Are you like David, whole heart, wholehearted? a spiritual individual in person. Listen to go, how it goes on to, to conclude in chapter two, and we'll get into uh, chapter three just for a moment as well. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no man. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he should instruct him? But we, the spiritual person, what a privilege and honor, but we have the mind of Christ. That is ours, can be ours, should be ours because of our standing and position in him. Who we are in Christ. Verse 1 of chapter 3 says this, And I, brethren, here's Paul's heart for the, the church at Corinth, all kinds of cultural distractions and concerns, not unlike the reality of our world today. And he says this in verse 1 of chapter 3. I love that you're following. And he says, I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men. Hold up now. Why not? 
Here Paul is talking to saved individuals and he says to those saved individuals, I can't speak to you as, uh, as I ought to be able to, as I want to converse with you because of the reality of what? Your spiritual heart condition. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual men. That's the second illustration, and that's a good one. But rather, he says, end of verse 1 of chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. Verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to, to receive it. Now let me say something about a, a, an infant in Christ, a babe in Christ. The reality is this can be a good condition. This can be an appropriate description, but only for those who actually qualify based upon time, time that they've known the Savior as an infant and a babe in Christ. I wonder how many of you have, have just recently been saved. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to shout out a hallelujah. But I'm wondering, have you recently, in the last, let's say, in the last year, have you come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ that you recognized you were lost and you desperately needed to be found and you trusted in him and him, him alone? You know what be, would be appropriate to describe you as? A babe in Christ, an infant who starts with baby food and then moves on to solid food. That's a good description when it, when it correlates with the reality of a new conversion. But that's not the story here. The story here is that really he combines these concepts and describes these believers as infantile in their condition, even though they haven't just recently come to know the Savior, they're acting like, they're looking like, they're eating like spiritually, they're infants and babes in Christ. The author of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter 5 and says, you know, by this time, by this time, you ought to be able to teach others the truth of God's word. You ought to be teaching it. But you have, you have come to need milk and not solid food. Solid food is for the mature who can discern the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And so the author of Hebrews brings this warning and says, you know what, enough time has gone by and you have absolutely wasted it. Please listen because many of you are on this page. You've known the Lord Jesus for a while. You've known him for a season. You've known him for enough time for you no longer to be infantile in your thinking, in your behavior, in your dining. Baby food should not be your normal diet any longer. You should be falling into the category of one who is spiritually mature, able to discern right and wrong, able to teach. And, that, and yet, the most accurate description is that you are a babe in Christ. 
even though enough time has gone by where you shouldn't be. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. Why is that? For you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able. Here's why, verse 3. This ought to convict you. He knows, he sees, he examines your heart's attitude before him. What is the spiritual condition of your heart? He says to the church at Corinth, because of your marrying to the culture of chaos and the stuff of this world, you are still fleshly. Some translations would say and do say you are, you are yet carnal. You're a saved individual, but it sure doesn't look like it and you sure don't act like it. There's all kinds of descriptions spiritually of one's heart condition in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and 3. The natural man, much like Saul, no heart. The spiritual man, much like David, whole heart. The still fleshly or yet carnal individual, much like Solomon, half-hearted. And I ask you, what in the world is the reality of your spiritual heart condition today? Which description from Paul's writing best fits you? Natural? We'll even allow, if you will, for application, a babe in Christ who technically qualifies as such because of the time of your salvific standing. Someone who is still carnal, yet carnal, fleshly, who looks like, acts like, walks like, talks like someone who doesn't know Christ, even though you do. Half-hearted at best like Solomon or someone who is spiritual. Not perfect, this side of glory, but spiritual. Having a heart that wants to wholeheartedly go after the things of God. I'm thankful that your student life department has selected your student leaders, uh, a passage from Galatians chapter 5. It was read to you today, and you have a three-word theme for the year taken from that passage. And let me just describe to you what you, again, will find in that passage when you, when you camp out there. Maybe you're going to memorize that passage. Maybe you're going to hear about it over and over again in chapel. But be advised and understand Galatians chapter 5 describes the main struggle that we face that keeps us from being spiritually wholehearted. It identifies the struggle, the battle, I shall say, that is raging even now. I can tell on some of your faces, you're in the midst of the battle as I speak. True story. I remember some of you might as well, but they were uh, in the theater in my day. I remember the Rocky movies. Have you ever heard of them, by the way? Any of you? Thanks for coming. I remember, yes, I remember a, a boxing ring. Uh, and I enjoy the, the sport of boxing, especially the way it used to be. But I remember a boxing ring, and you can picture it in your mind, can't you? You can conjure up a, a ring uh, where the boxers would, uh, uh, would gather in their, their corners 
And somehow when I was a kid, I thought, that's amazing. Where does that mic come from? They dropped this huge mic from what seems like nowhere. And the announcer would come up to the, the microphone and the announcer would want to declare the battle. And so he would say, ladies and gentlemen, in this corner at six foot four inches tall, weighing 222 pounds, wearing the American flag trunks, we have Apollo Creed. And the crowd would roar. Thank you for participating. <laughs> and then he would step up to the mic and say, ladies and gentlemen, in this corner, standing five foot nine inches tall, weighing 197 uh, in the gold trunks, Sylvester Stallone, rather Rocky Balboa. And the crowd would do what? More enthusiastically than you did, they would. <laughs> the announcer would say, here's who's going to battle. Here's who's going to battle. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul steps up to the mic and says in this corner, we have the works of the flesh. What I want to do over and over and over again. What I want to do. The works of the flesh that are still, still alive and well in the life of a believer. And in this corner, ladies and gentlemen, we have the Holy Spirit. Rather, rather more accurately, within every believer, we have the Holy Spirit. Who wants to, listen to me now, who wants to produce the fruit of the Spirit in and of your life. You have a three-word theme for the year. Do you know it by now? Do you know what the theme is? Threefold. Thank you for coming today. Walk. Live, keep. Do you recognize, do you realize that every one of those is related to your interaction with the Holy Spirit? Again, the battle is between the flesh and the spirit. And the reality is that those words walk, live, and keep are not uh, mystical, magical, feel-good, emotional words. They're words that have absolutely everything to do with the choices, the choices that you make every day. In regards to the battle between the flesh and the spirit, all kinds of choices, and let me just rattle off a few of them, and perhaps we'll, we'll pick up here uh, even tonight. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, there's a verse that says this, therefore also we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent to be, listen to these words, whether I'm coming and going in every circumstance of life, it is our ambition, it is our aim, it is our goal to be pleasing to him. That's a choice, sports fans. That's a decision that you make. And that decision has to be made in order for you to walk, live, and keep. That in every aspect of life, it's my ambition, it's my goal, it's my aim. 2 Corinthians 5, verse, uh, verse 9, to be pleasing to him. Let me ask you, do you want to be in everything you see? Think about all that you see. Do you want to be pleasing to him? Do you ask and answer, is this pleasing to him? And everything you hear, do you want to be pleasing to him? And everything you say, do you want to be pleasing to him? And everything that you do, do you want to be pleasing to him? Because those are evidences of someone who is wholehearted and following after our great God. Jump down to verse 15 and 16, 14 and 15 rather. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. Who's the one who died for all? Jesus. That's the Lord Jesus. 
Therefore, all died. Who's that? That's us as believers. Verse 15 says this, and he died for all. He, Christ, died for all. Why? Listen to what it says. That they who live should no longer live for themselves. I'm asking you to make wise choices. Have you made the choice? Like verse 9, I want to be pleasing to him in every respect. In everything, as I'm coming and going, in every aspect of life, I want to be pleasing to him. That's wholeheartedness. Verse 15 talks about a decision a believer makes, which I think some of you haven't made yet, that says, I no longer want to live for myself. Have you made that decision? This is a wholehearted decision that I no longer want to live for myself, but I want to live for the one who died for me and rose again. Have you made that decision? Now, I want you to do something quickly because we're, we're about out of time. So I want you to, without saying anything, I want you to stand. Just please stand without saying anything. You can do it. It won't hurt. You're going to be okay. You see, each message when I speak, I like to do something. Dr. McLeod, you can stay seated. I understand. Each message, I, I like to do something called the momos, the motions that help us remember what we're talking about. And some of you think I'm in college. I'm God's gift. I don't need to do these things. And I just want to say to you, get over you. These can be fun, and you can participate. And so I want to hearken back to uh, another movie, by the way, uh, a movie we just saw as a family. We saw the last uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark as a family. We watched it. It was pretty good anyway. Not more should be said. But my favorite was the one uh, with Sean Connery, The Last Crusade. And there was an occasion where Indiana Jones uh, and the enemy that he uh, was battling had a decision to make. Which cup, which cup would be the right cup? That would be uh, the, the cup of the, the Holy Grail that if we dip into this uh, magical, not biblical, magical waters, it would give us immortality. And so the enemy chose first. And there was the keeper of the grail. I love how the keeper of the grail spoke. He had this great voice, memorable anyway. Uh, the enemy selected a cup. He dipped it into the water. And the keeper of the grail said what? Does anybody remember? He said what? He chose poorly. He chose poorly. And then it was Indiana's, Indiana Jones's turn, and the girl that he was in like with, infatuated with, like many of you are right now, he, together with this young lady, chose a cup, and they dipped the cup into the water, and he drank it, and it was evidenced, yes, it was, that it was the right selection. And the keeper of the grail said what? Do you remember? He chose wisely, wisely. If you want to walk, if you want to live, if you want to keep, if you want to have a victorious Christian life, you have to make wise choices. To no longer live for yourself, but for the one who died for you and rose again. To have as your aim, ambition, to be pleasing to him in absolutely everything you say, think, hear, see, and do. And so this is what I want you to do. Momo number one, there's more coming. You're going to be okay. I just want you to ponder the reality of choosing. And so you're going to do this. You're just going to say, choose. Then you're going to tap your temple because you have to think right in order to live right. You're going to say, wisely. Let's do that again. Choose wisely. More to come, I assure you. Let's stand and pray and then some parting announcements. Father, help us to remember that you know, you see, you examine our heart's attitude before you. Help us to be reminded that the battle is real and rages on. The flesh, what I want to do versus the spirit, what he wants to do in and through me. And may we realize that we need to choose wisely in order to walk, in order to live, in order to keep. 
in order to be victorious. And so we ask, Father, that we might just take these days to examine our heart's attitude before you, because you do. And may we ask and answer the question, am I no-hearted? Am I the natural man who's still lost because of my spiritual condition, unsaved? Am I a a still carnal, yet carnal, half-hearted follower of the Lord Jesus? Or can it be said that I'm wholehearted, all-hearted, following fully after you. So we ask that you'd help us to think. It's hard to do sometimes. Help us to think about these things and examine and purpose to follow hard after you with all our hearts. We ask and pray in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.